Happy New Year, everyone. Happy 2012 and welcome back once again, dear friends, to Dissecting Dexter. Yeah, <laughs> I'm back for the first time since Christmas. Uh, the January hangover is truly here. The midwinter blues. Oh, God. <laughs> How was your Christmas? I hope you all had a really great holiday period. For me, it was, of course, very much a family time. Unfortunately, uh, in our household, we had a bit of a flu virus going round. Uh, it hit me on Christmas Eve and lasted until Boxing Day. So my Christmas was spent dosed up with paracetamol and trying to fight off a temperature and feeling very sorry for myself. Uh, but I had to, uh, you know, have to keep going for the kids and we had family staying with us. And it was still a nice time, despite me feeling poorly. Uh, but unfortunately, then after me, after I was starting to get better, uh, both my sons fell ill and my wife was poorly. Uh, so we, we didn't make for a particularly healthy bunch for Christmas week. Uh, but we made the most of it. We, visit, we still managed to visit family and, you know, spread the germs around. <laughs> and uh, we had lots of lots of family time just at home, just kind of eating leftovers, lots of turkey sandwiches and... Uh, we had a nice time playing with the kids and, you know, that's what Christmas is all about, isn't it? Just enjoying your family, having a nice time and being together. Oh, aren't I soppy? <laughs> so, yeah, I hope all you guys enjoyed your time as well. It has, of course, been... Oh, because it's been about three weeks. Is it three weeks? Four weeks? Three weeks since I last talked to you. Uh, and last time, of course, it was in the good company of Matt and Travis. I hope that conference call podcast came across well and, and was enjoyed. Uh, we certainly had a good time talking about the finale and the season in general. Unfortunately, uh, obviously, as I say, it's been three weeks since I last talked to you, uh, partly because of my ailments, uh, and I didn't end up having any time in Christmas week to put together the feedback show. And in the subsequent couple of weeks, uh, I've been really busy at work and... Yeah, I'm full of excuses, aren't I? <laughs> but just not had a chance to uh, to prepare everything. And of course, I, as you'd expect, I did get a lot of feedback coming out of the finale. Uh, a lot of you wanting to uh, throw your comments into the into the ring for inclusion in the show. And I thank you all very much for your emails and voicemails and tweets and Facebook messages. I'm going to go through. Well, this is going to be this is probably going to be quite a long podcast. I'm going to go through. Everything, I hope everything, <laughs> that you've sent me. In advance, apologies if I've missed the odd tweet or Facebook message. Um, I've gone through, oh, I hope I've gone through everything and, and copied it all down for, for reading or playing on this podcast. As I said, apologies in advance if I do miss anything. Uh, I did get a lot and inevitably there may be the odd comment here or there that I've overlooked and not included, so... Uh, sorry about that in advance. So, yes, this is the finale feedback extravaganza. I'm going to be going through all your comments and responding as we go along. So I'll kind of leave any of my own thoughts about Dexter now uh, and just include them through my responses as we go through your feedback. So we'll kind of crack straight on, I think. There's a lot to go through. And maybe there'll be a few thoughts at the end just to kind of sum up where I'm at. 
Um, of course, you, you'll remember I was pretty uptight about one or two of the storylines. Well, one in particular, <laughs> as we got to the end of the season. And yes, indeed, that will be addressed <laughs> over the next hour or so. Right. OK, enough ramble from me. Let's crack on with the feedback. Here we go. Listener Feedback. Okay, first up, an email from Matt Humphrey, who emailed just to refer to the discussion we had on the finale podcast about Deb's previous boyfriends and the question of whether they were maybe not all so inappropriate. Matt writes, with the exception of Rudy, who I will agree she couldn't have known was a killer, most of her boyfriends have been at least a little inappropriate. Lundy was her superior at work, Anton was a witness in a case the department was working, and Quinn was her partner slash co-worker on the force. Thanks Matt, you're referring here to comments that writer gal made that I read out on the conference call with Matt and Travis, and she defended Deborah's choice of boyfriends. But you make some fair points from a professional point of view. Writer Gal's comments were more from a personal perspective, but you're right. Professionally speaking, her choices weren't ideal. OK, on to an email from our good friend Sandy in Seattle, who writes, Oh my goodness, Gareth, did you even see that coming? Not even sure what to say, except that it's going to be a long wait for next season. My husband and I spent about half an hour playing What If after the show ended. Now I just can't wait for your podcast to hear what everyone thought. As for the rest of the episode, I still feel icky about the Deb Dexter thing, though not as much as before. It was sort of funny how Deb was so nervous around Dexter the whole time, while he's clueless. I know they aren't blood-related, and that's the only way this storyline can play at all, but who knows how she'll feel now. And then I love seeing the playful side of Dexter as he talked to Travis on his table. Those are the scenes we haven't seen near enough this season. I'm father, a son, and a serial killer, as he signs the cross. Nice. Well, the season redeemed itself a little for me with that cliffhanger, because that's what I've been waiting for. Though I thought it would be more of a slow build, Deb finding out. But, oh well, I like surprises. We'll see where they go with it. And I hope they don't just drop the Lewis story. I kept waiting for Dexter to open that box, so hopefully next season. Thanks, Sandy. Your reaction there matched a lot of the comments I got on Twitter straight after the episode aired. I don't think many of us expected Deb to discover Dexter quite so soon. I also enjoyed Deb's discomfort in the episode, making comments to Dexter about concentrating on work when he already was. Stuff like that. It was very cute, even though the root cause of it turned me off. That last scene in the episode was very well done. I did enjoy the chat between Dexter and Travis, if you can call it chat. The show does do a good job at these times. We saw the religion theme come back into play a bit, which I welcome, after it had been built up as such a key theme of the season, and then kind of fell by the wayside once Brother Sam died. So thanks again, Sandy. On to an email from Dave in Ohio. He writes as follows. Now that the season 6 finale has aired, here are a few of the thoughts that I have about the Deb in love with Dexter plotline and how it affects the final scene of the season. Dave then goes into some 
detail, laying groundwork, detailing why we root for Deb, what makes her such a sympathetic character, her daddy issues, and a close sibling relationship with Dexter, despite her dad giving Dexter so much more attention. Dave goes on to address Dexter and says, Dexter is a little bit more of a puzzle, but despite the fact that he's doing something so reprehensible, something that normal, non-serial killers could not relate to or even sympathise with, the writers have managed to make him a sympathetic character by highlighting how he, like all of us, struggle with our humanity. By adding the layer of incestuous feelings, and even if they are just adoptive siblings, and it's Deb, not Dexter, having the feelings, the writers threaten to build a wall between the viewers and the characters. A wall that they cannot afford to build, given that the viewers already have to break through the wall of relating to and sympathising with a serial killer. Clearly, in the... Oh, gunshot going off. Did you hear that? <laughs> Bang! <laughs> Sorry, I digress. It wasn't uh, a gunshot. There's oh, there's another one. Uh, of course, the mobile studio located deep in the heart of North Yorkshire, England. <laughs> I am currently located surrounded by farmland in the uh, car park at work. And uh, the farmer has set out these kind of gas canisters that, that fire off shots every so often, uh, purely to scare pigeons off the winter crops. Uh, don't seem to do much of a good job though because I can see quite a few pigeons around but I digress, this is dissecting Dexter after all and where would we be with a bad bit of, without a bit of digression as opposed to dissection <laughs> sorry Dave, I'll get back to your email where was I? clearly in the last two episodes of season 6 the introduction of Deb's amorous feelings for Dexter were meant to be a mechanism that would add another layer of shock and disappointment for Deb when she finds out about Dexter's secret also it was used as a mechanism for her to go and find Dexter resulting in her walking in on him and his dark passenger with the psychologist basically telling Deb to go and find him and tell him how you feel setting aside the ethical problems involved with a therapist telling a patient to pursue their amorous feelings for their adopted brother especially a patient who clearly already has father issues this is very wrong and unneeded besides i would think that a therapist's job would be to help the patient find an appropriate way to deal with their feelings because even though they are not blood related they're still brother and sister and basically the therapist was just telling deb to trade her father issues for brother issues in my opinion, the writers had everything they needed to play this out in a much less creepy manner, and in fact I believe in a much more effective manner, and here it is. Deb had always lived in and struggled with the shadow of Harry in both her professional and personal life. Strangely, Dexter also lived in and struggled with Harry's shadow, another way in which we could relate to both characters. But on the professional front, Deb had finally exceeded Harry by becoming lieutenant. The circumstances which led her to that promotion also led her to the therapist, who at first was helping her to come to terms with some of the issues in her personal life. She should have explored how her bad romantic choices were the result of Deb's father issues, and that could have led to an exploration and discussion about how while her father could not be counted on, Dexter was always a rock for her, even if he was limited by, quote, being a chair instead of a table. The therapist could have then led Deb to look at how she should focus on her career and cultivate the healthy relationships in her life before pursuing romance. Focus on her brother and nephew, find strength in them, and stop trying to fill the voids left by Harry's neglect. Thus, she would have come to depend on Dexter as a brother even more than she had before. Deb would have come to see her sibling relationship with Dexter as the strongest, healthiest relationship in her life and her discovery of his dark passenger would then end up shattering her strongest, healthiest, longest-lived relationship, 
which would have been more of a relatable situation for viewers and I would argue much more powerful. It also would not have felt like a contrived mechanism to add artificial shock to the discovery. But with all that said, I still like the way they had a find out by walking in on Dexter. It's just everything that led up to it that's the problem. Well, thanks Dave. Great email. And I generally agree with you here. I've stressed multiple times now that I feel the whole brother love thing is unnecessary. I can sort of see Scott Buck's point that they say it's maybe always been there, simmering under the surface since season two, as much as it pains me to admit it. Or at least, as he says, it, it was something the creative team brought up back in season two. I can see that as he explains it. I still don't think they really needed to go there. I don't think Deb having romantic feelings for Dexter would make her any more likely to accept him being a killer. But we'll be talking more about all this as we go on through the rest of the feedback. You can rest assured. <laughs> we will. <laughs> Dave also sent in a voicemail and another email, which we'll cover in a bit. Hi, Gareth. It's Tim here from Melbourne. Just finished watching the season finale and really enjoyed it. Thought it was a good episode. I went in with pretty low expectations after what I thought was the debacle of last week's episode. So, yeah, I was surprised at how good it was overall. A few gripes, of course, but um, I thought there was genuine tension. It was better paced than pretty much the whole season so far. Um, thought there was noted, notably less voiceover, which I know will please you. Um, La Guetta was almost bearable. Travis was a bit more of a threat. Um, I felt this week, which was good, though I had to laugh after he broke into Dex's apartment. I had to think of the comparison with Trinity. When he broke into Dex's house, he killed Rita. When Travis breaks in, he steals Dex's shirt and eats his cereal. That sums up for me how Travis, to me, was the lamest and most ineffectual big bad yet. Um, really, though, apart from the obvious one, which I'll have to get to, um, I had fewer gripes this week. The poor writing that has plagued the season uh, was a lot better. One gripe, though, was the painting that Travis did of Dexter on his wall. I just thought that was a dead-end plot point that, that went nowhere. Um, the writers obviously didn't want the rest of the Homicide team to find the painting and Dexter's face, so they concocted this theory that no one in Homicide can set foot in the house uh, if, if there's a body that has a little bit of blood on its back. They have to stand out in the front yard and wait for Dexter which, you know, has been is ridiculous. They've never had to do that in all the seasons we've watched so far. You'd think they would have wandered into the house and had a bit of a look. Usually Dexter turns up and they're surrounding a body on the living room floor or something. So they concocted that to conveniently hide the painting from, from the rest of the homicide team and then Dexter just smashes a hole in the face and that's the end of that plot point. thought it was strange. Um, well, Deb now openly in love with Dexter. We were theorising last week that hopefully these are just unconscious feelings that a psychiatrist has brought up and Deb will deal with them and then hopefully just laugh them off and maybe tell Dexter about it over a beer. Well, no. She's now openly in love with him. She said it. She's put it out there. She's in love with him. So that's the way the show's gone. I, I really think it's the stupidest, worst plot point of any major show I've seen in a long time. I don't know what they're thinking. To be honest, it's like the writers have thought that because they're not biological uh, brother and sister, they're not real brother and sister, so they're allowed to just, just fall in love and have 
romantic and sexual thoughts for for each other, which is not only to me stupid for the show, but if I had a adopted sister, I'd probably find the the idea of it offensive. But that's the, that's the way they're going, so we'll see how it plays out. I think the reason they've done it now that we've seen the end of the show is that um, they want Deb to be very conflicted now that she knows that Dex is a killer. But I just think it's completely unnecessary. The fact that Dex is her brother and she loves him in a platonic brother-sister way should be enough of a conflict for her without needing to concoct this this nonsense about her. Anyway, I could go on and on about it. I'm sure you'll cover it. Um, but, look, I'm, I'm really looking forward to next season. It's, it's a real game-changer of an episode, this one, obviously. I really think the Travis and DDK thing we can look back on and say it was almost a sideline this season. The real story is Deb and Dex, and it's really set up for next season. It's, you know, I can't wait to see how it plays out. Also, I found it interesting that they left the Lewis plotline sort of hanging until next season. I quite liked that they didn't try and quickly wrap it up. That, that's still, that hand is still sitting on Dex's um, fridge, and that's another thing we can look forward to next season where, where that is all going to go. So, yeah, I don't know. The, interesting to look back now on this season. I feel like it's sort of just a stepping stone season to set bigger things up between Deb and, and Dexter, obviously. Um, it's probably, to me, the most uneven, strange, bizarre season with very patchy, inconsistent writing. I'll probably rank it as, as, as my least favourite season, but still had a lot of good stuff and and it's really set up once again next season and I can't wait for it. Also look forward to your podcasts over the break and uh, thanks again for for podcasting another season of Dexter. Cheers. Thanks, Tim. Loved your comparison of Travis with Trinity, comparing when each broke into Dexter's home. Travis steals a shirt and eats cereal while Trinity murdered Rita. <laughs> and yes, that was very poor, having the detectives not even enter the house where those bodies were until Dexter arrived. A humble blood spatter guy. Very contrived, purely to have Dexter go in first, see his face in the painting and give him a minute to obliterate it. I completely agree with you about Deb. I firmly believe that her simple, innocent, sisterly love should have been enough to create sufficient conflicts when she found Dexter killing Travis. And I'm sure I'll say it again before we're done. And I agree that DDK became the subplot to Deb and Dexter this season after the preview suggested otherwise. However, I don't mind that. Personally, I'm always more interested in Dexter's personal journey and the journey of Deborah, of course, and I did enjoy the deconstruction of her character this year. <sighs> that is, until the pseudo-incest card was played. <clears throat> <laughs> Thanks, Tim. On to an email from Tom in Poland, who says, Meh, come on. Those were my reactions for most of the episode. I can't believe how they solved the problem with the painting. So painfully convenient for the plot. I felt that the episode was generally sloppy and lazily written. I could list few other, a few other things, but they don't matter if you saw the ending. The final scene was fantastic. I completely did not see that coming, though it could have been easily guessed as I think back. Just awesome and makes the episode overall much better. This scene may be my favourite out of all the Dexter seasons, actually. I also found the chemistry between Deborah and Dexter quite interesting throughout the episode. Nevertheless... I'd say this was the worst Dexter season. It was enjoyable, but I'd say that only slightly above the average in comparison to other TV shows. 
And I would definitely have enjoyed it less if it wasn't for your podcast, so thank you for all the time you spent making these. Thanks, Tom. Yes, to address your points, I thought they got rid of the painting a bit easily. It would have been more interesting if they'd seen it and started asking Dexter awkward questions. It might have added more to the eventual discovery. Dexter might have been able to say even, I had to get Travis before he got me. Interesting that you rate this as your favourite moment of Dexter ever, the final scene this season. For me, it was certainly one of the best of the season, and definitely rates as one of the most significant to the overall series arc. But personally, I have others that I'd have up there too as my favourite ever. Tell you what, when all the show is done and dusted, we ought to have a podcast going over our favourite scenes of the entire show. I think that'd be fun. But what a tough choice. Thanks again, Tom. On to an email from Wren, who says, Just watched the beginning of the end yesterday, which, like everyone, I believe, had extremely mixed feelings about it. I thought the final confrontation with Travis was anticlimactic. Taking a child's life is a taboo in just about everything except independent films and zombie horror. At no point did I feel that Harrison was in danger, which made moments that should feel tense very dull. When Travis told him to inject himself, I tense up, but typical Dexter, he was already two steps ahead. Man, I get so frustrated when the show drags into the clichés of TV serials and writers' convenience. Also, Dexter and Deb romance. Dexter has always been a show playing on morality, a serial killer who hunts people he considers bad. Now an adopted person with no biological relations with a hint of romance. She dated Brian Moser and no one seems to bat an eye at that, but Dexter, whoa there. But can you really call it incest if they're not genetically related? I'm not sure, but it would make for some racy TV. Is Showtime trying to push the envelope in order to compete with Game of Thrones? Which has two of their prominent characters engage in a, ahem, family affair. And lastly, the final moments. Oh, God is right. I chuckled at that statement. After a whole season about religion, I tip my hat to the writers for that. I don't know about you, Gareth, but it seemed very contrived. What reason did Deb have to go to the church? She didn't have a lead, plus she was freaked out by the place earlier in the season. My only guess is she followed him, but if that's the case, wouldn't she have seen him carrying Travis into the church? Plus, as emotionally detached and, as, and evasive as Dexter is... Wouldn't she have called him before to have dinner or something before revealing her true feelings? I can't wait to hear your groans this week. I'm prepared to laugh out loud at least five times during your podcast. Thank you for continuing to produce an amazing podcast, minus the planes. <laughs> Thanks, Ren. I appreciate that. That rooftop scene. Like you, I didn't honestly think the writers would kill Harrison, especially in this kind of way. If he ever does die, and I hope he doesn't, but if he ever did... I'd like to think it'd be of natural causes or some tragic accident. So yes, it took some of the tension away from the sequence for me, and I also suspected Dexter wasn't going to actually stick himself with M99. I had every expectation that he'd sit up and be okay. But I'm sure there'll be plenty of viewers who didn't share our thoughts and enjoyed the scene more, same as there were plenty who didn't see the Geller reveal coming. About Deb and Dexter... Ugh... <laughs> No, it wouldn't be incest, strictly speaking. Biologically, they can make babies and live happily ever after. It'd be legal and medically safe. 
I don't want to keep repeating myself, but I just don't think it's necessary. It's not necessary for them to go down this road with the plot. Yes, the writers might think it's a valid continuation of the deconstruction of Deb character storyline, and I can see the point of those saying, why is this storyline so abhorrent when we cheer for a serial killer week after week? Like, murder is okay, but romance between two consenting adults isn't. Personally, I don't like the turn they've taken. Their close brother-sister bond has been a staple of the show and a rock Deb's relied upon. As a fan of the show, I'm afraid of that being upset. Upsetting the apple cart, as we say here in the UK. That said, regardless of the incest thing, Deb discovering Dex as a killer will upset things. Yet, I'm happy to go along with that. I think my personal distrust of this pseudo-incest story thread boils down... It boils down to me loving the show and caring about these characters. Simple as that. I don't want these characters to go down this road. And then, Ren, your final point about the ending. Deb, she went to the church to talk about Dexter to talk to him about her feelings for him, as prompted and encouraged to do so by the therapist. There's no time like the present, right? So off she went. She went straight there. And of course she knew he'd be at the church, because earlier in the episode she'd asked him to go back there and do a final sweep of the scene, so it was all set up. This is the Dissecting Dexter Hello, Gareth. It's Kevin from Pittsburgh, back home in New York. I uh, watched the finale twice last night. Um, the first occasion had me and five other friends sitting around the television laughing our way through the episode. Um, unfortunate, as season five finale, which I had watched at a Showtime event where Jennifer Carpenter, Lauren Villas, and David Zayas were present, um, the tone and atmosphere there was much different. It was deadly serious, and there was no goofing around. Instead, this finale had our big bad spilling Cheerios on the ground like an infant and yelling at dead corpses to stop decomposing. On the second occasion, I, I watched the finale silently by myself, taking notes, and I came to this conclusion. It's time to ditch that mantra, trust the show. Season 6 subplots went nowhere, and I just want to recap some of them. Uh, Batista and Quinn had a bromance. It was fun. But it fizzled out. Uh, Batista's life was threatened and Quinn's career. But in the end, they're back to where they started. Like Gorda was built to be this horrible, horrible person this season. She was stripped of her redeeming qualities until the last minute when the writers decided to flick on her compassion switch and were back to where we started with her, too. Matthews is gone, but ever since his conversation with Dexter, I think in season two, Regarding Harry, I thought he's just been this more powerful and responsible Guerta clone, and not exactly a significant character. So in the end, season six left us with the Lewis story arc and the Deb cliffhanger. I'm looking forward to season seven, to be sure. But the future of Dexter is in the hands of school like Scott Buck. We apparently feel that Deb has been growing closer and more romantic with Dexter, over the course of the series, and that her falling in love was an inevitable plot threat. I want to trust the show, Gareth, but how can I when the writers view the characters in a different light than I do? Eh, that's all. Interested in C 
seeing what he produced in between now and season seven. That's fantastic that you got to attend that Showtime event. What I'd give to be at one of those. I guess even if I had a chance with my young family, it would be tough for me to get away. But I can dream, can't I? <laughs> Thanks for the voicemail, Ken. In response to your points, I think with LaGuerta, she's the same woman she's always been. Focused on her career at the expense of all others. Selfish, antagonistic, self-serving. But she's always had a softer side. We just don't see it very often. I remember season one when she showed a sensitive side. When she had that chat with Deb in the finale this year, she showed a sense of perspective and realism about their situation and her working relationship with Deb. They need each other to get on, but we all know that LaGuerta won't hesitate to crap all over Deb if it ever serves to, to help her career. She is the same woman she's always been. You can argue that she's not made any character progression, but as long as she's in the show, would we really want her any other way? And about Matthews, I personally don't think we've seen the last of him, but you're right, he's been to LaGuerta what LaGuerta's been to Deb. Shit always flows downhill, doesn't it? <laughs> Quinn, they did pretty much undo the positive character progression he'd made in season 5 and reduced him to a screw-up, a liability. He wasn't a liability before this season, though, so you might argue that that's character development, whether we like it or not. Batista. He seemed to be ent entering a midlife crisis, buying a sports car, smoking pot. But when the chips were down, he's still a man who takes his work seriously and has the integrity to stand up for what he thinks is right, something he's always done. Remember him siding with Deb last season over his wife regarding the night tr the night truck <laughs> the nightclub shooting but speaking of liabilities you just about raised the question there of whether Scott Buck might be one given he's the showrunner and has steered the show in a direction where Deb has fallen in love with her adopted brother can we still trust the show i'd like to think so i'm happy to give them a chance to turn it around next season but <laughs> They'd better turn it around or I think I'm going to be getting a lot of unhappy voicemails and emails come September. OK, on to an email from Crystal Bermel. Who says, OMG, the finale was spectacular and like OMG, Deb reveals feelings for Dex and finally sees him as he is, a serial killer. What could be a better season ending? Just this season finale is the top of my favourite list. Second is Rita's death in season four. Third is season one with Brian. Oh, don't worry, Michael C. Hall is on for two more seasons, in which have already been confirmed by Showtime. What did you think of Lewis? Remember he had the plastic hand with painted nails from the ice truck killer case, and on top of it, he wants to stay on with the Miami Metro. Remember Dexter kind of knocked him down a few pegs from his video game? Lewis, there's more to this guy than meets the eye. But a great season ender. I can't wait for season seven. Thanks, Crystal. Did you write this soon after watching the finale? It sounds like an outpouring of excitement immediately after watching it, like a continuous stream of consciousness and excited thoughts. <laughs> I like it. I put my own one on Twitter. Two words, holy and shit. <laughs> I wonder when the dust has settled whether this finale will end up further down your list of favourites, though. I think right after the season 4 finale, I'd have put that one at the top of my list, but having rewatched season 1, I think that in the broad scope of the show, I'd put that one at number 1, although season 4's finale packed a much bigger emotional punch. 
and despite that was still a great, great episode. Okay, an email from Lost Junkie in Norway who says, Oh my God, what an episode. Some things I loved and some things most feared by us were again brought to light. I'm going to start off by saying, Deborah, no, just no. <laughs> Please, I really didn't want them to go there and they did. That is just horribly, horribly wrong. I don't like where it's going. I want it to stop. But the last five minutes, wow. I did comment by saying, oh God, and heard Dexter say the same thing. I'm probably not the only one. I can't wait for the next season. Great acting by all of the characters. I really thought Colin Hanks was able to bring out the inner evil this time. Michael C. Hall, great as ever. All the other characters as well. But now that Deborah knows, how much will she know? Will they cover up the other kills? Will she eventually find out about him being the Bay Harbour Butcher? For next season, I hope that there will be more interaction between Dexter and his son. I must say I was surprised at the end. I didn't see it coming. As for the season, I don't know. Something, some things were good and some things were bad. It's Dexter and I love the show, so I'm going to trust the writers and hope they don't screw it up. Thanks a lot for that email. Yeah, there was some good acting in this one. Hall, of course, is always good, while Hanks has been a bit less consistent, but I think I partly blame the way the writers made his character a bit cartoonish. I don't know, maybe a better actor would have done more with it, but I don't want to bash Hanks, because generally I thought he did a good job of generating some... Th some th th <laughs> lisping. <laughs> generating some sympathy early on. He was this weak man apparently being led on by this charismatic professor who he seemed to hero worship and then we saw the transformation after the Geller reveal and he was able to turn on dark mode. As for Deborah, like we've said, so far she's only seen him kill one person. But being the clever detective that she is, it might not take much for her to connect the dots and piece together things from the past. But for now, she doesn't know he's a serial killer Although the Travis kill scene will quite rightly look very set up and meticulous to her, planned, Dexter won't be able to pass it off as a spontaneous, spur-of-the-moment kill. I really can't predict where it's going to go. It's going to blow her mind, for sure, and radically change the way she looks at her brother. I don't know if she's going to run a mile or not. Her first reaction is surely going to be one of total disbelief, confusion... Uh, bewilderment. You know, <laughs> I did briefly wonder if Dexter might opt to just come clean, tell her everything. He's got an opportunity to unburden himself. But of course, this person is not only his sister, <laughs> but a lieutenant in Miami Homicide, so I'm not sure that'll happen. I think he'll try and get away with her thinking this is a one-off. He could maybe come clean about obscuring his face on Travis's devil painting and say he wanted to get Travis first. However, the ritualistic nature of the church kill scene will be hard to gloss over. Maybe Deb will end up believing this is a one-off and the rest of the series will have her piecing together the rest of it, slowly but surely. Whatever happens, Dexter's on her radar now and it'll... he'll have to take great care in the future if he plans to carry on killing. Maybe he'll try and kick the habit and end up jonesing. Maybe... Trying to kick the habit will see him exploring more of what he learned from Brother Sam. That wouldn't be a bad thing. Thanks for the email. Hi Gareth, it's Ian from Bristol here. Um, I'll be leaving two lots of feedback this week. One for episode 12 and also a final season review as well. 
So this one for season six, episode 12, this is the way the world ends. Wow, what a great end to series six. Um, the big reveal at the end was make this one of the best ever Dexter series. Um, we knew it had to happen, but never expected it uh, in this series or like that. Um, but before discussing the end, I want to talk about the other 50 minutes of the show. Um, so Dexter just happens to get rescued by a passing boatload of immigrants. Uh, what's the chance of that happening, eh? Anyway, he escapes and manages to get home again. Um, a quick drink of water, a banana later, and he's ready for action. He really is a superhero. Um, but what happened to the after effects of the poison gas attack? I thought it might have occurred again at least once during the night when he's swimming alone in the water. Oh well, let's ignore this and move on to the other plot points. Um, Dexter gets called to the crime scene where Travis has painted the picture of Dexter as the devil. I can't believe that Dexter would have been first onto the crime scene. Surely someone else saw the undamaged painting and recognised Dexter. Also, I can't quite understand what Travis, why Travis broke up the furniture and made a little pile on the sofa. Was he intending to torch the place? I don't know. Um, some other callers have said that Colin Hanks has not been a very scary serial killer this season, um, but I thought he was especially creepy, um, especially when he was looking around Dexter's apartment. It's a shame that this side of his character wasn't used early in the season. Um, I also can't quite understand why he took and opened the parcel sent by Lewis. Were we so certain that this was going to be the re- we were so certain that this was going to be the big reveal, but it was uh, just put to one side and forgotten about. Um, this must be a key part in series seven, surely. Um, I like the way that Dexter scared the other children at the pageant when he did a lion roar. I can't remember the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of Noah saving the lions as well as the lambs and the pigs. Um, and there was real fear in Dexter's face when he realised that Travis had taken Harrison. Um, I thought he was going to swear at the nun just before he dashed out. Um, pretty clever of Debs to work out that Travis would make a sacrifice on top of the skyscraper. Um, but if Dexter had given her the other picture that Travis drew, then the police would have got to the right skyscraper and that policeman wouldn't have died. And this seems to have been a bit, a bit of a small theme this year. If Dexter had shared his knowledge with the police, then he would have saved a few innocents from being killed. Right, on to the final scene. Well, I didn't see that coming. Um, where does Dexter go from here? What does Debs do? Another big choice for her. Does she hand Dexter in? Does she protect him? Let's wait for Series 7 and see what she does. And finally, back to the title. This is how the world ends. Referring not only to the Doomsday's killers and the end of the world, but I'm assuming also to Dexter and Debs' relationship now, perhaps. Oh, well, thanks for the podcast, Gareth, and uh, I'll speak to you soon, hopefully, to discuss my overall comments for the series. Bye-bye. Thanks for that, mate. A great ending and one of the best ever Dexter series. I have to say, Ian, from the feedback I've got, you're in the minority, but, you know, it's your opinion, and how can your own opinion be wrong? So, you know, that's, that's fine. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, there was stuff to enjoy this season. It wasn't, you know, we've a lot of us have been down on it, picking it apart a bit, but, yeah, there's been stuff to enjoy as well. It's had its share of good moments, and, of course, we've got the top five highlights of the season podcast coming up soon and uh, of course i'm still open to any nominations you guys might have for your favorite moments of the season just fire them in an email to me or on the facebook page and list them in numerical order and if you can include the episode name or episode number with each nomination it will help me isolate any audio that i might use in the podcast but back to ian (laughs) Uh, you mentioned the broken furniture yeah when he was breaking up the chairs and stuff I thought he was going to set fire to the house but then we saw him take it to the rooftop and in some of the shots on the rooftop we could see the the basket that Harrison was in it was on top of a kind of it looked like a funeral pyre 
or what would have been a funeral pyre of, of all the broken wood. So I guess he was going to set fire to it. Um, so it looked like it would have been a pyre for his his child's sacrifice. And you're right, Ian, to raise the point about Dexter keeping certain things to himself and it resulting in the death of innocence. That said, we did see him phone in the boat location an episode or two previous that ultimately led to Batista being saved. So he's not been totally remiss this year. Actually, that's another little bit of character progression this year. We've talked about Dexter discovering religion or opening his eyes to it, and, and that was progression. But he's never phoned the police before and tipped his hand as he did at the expense of a kill. Thanks, Ian, who also sent in a second voicemail with his broad thoughts about season six in general, which we will get to in a bit. Next, though, an email from Jeff Oslin, who says, As we all know, Dexter season six is wrapped up and oh la la, Deb caught her brother in the act. Yeah, I've been waiting for that since season three, though I am just as interested as anyone in finding out what the writers have for Deb's reaction. I honestly feel the scene of Deb finding out she loves Dexter was just a plot device used to make the reveal to Deb an inevitable acceptance of her brother's dark passenger more plausible for the audience. But now on to why I was originally writing, the Lewis angle. Lewis, I agree, is up to something. Honestly, I think it's probably the opposite of what most of us think. Dexter is wrapped up in his life, killing, raising a kid, and now his sister knows, so he isn't noticing this intern. I have a feeling Lewis is a serial killer slash potential serial killer. He quietly joins the police force to study the inside of a station and forensic lab. The reason he is impressed or obsessed with Dexter is that he views him as the strongest detective, investigator slash lab tech at the station. I don't think he knows Dex kills people. Dexter may just find out about Lewis being a killer before he's found out by this creeper in training. Lewis could see Dexter as a possible threat to him wanting to be the ultimate killer, which could lead to the plot of Dex being hunted the next two seasons. In the end, season 7 starts with Deb and her internal conflict of family versus career. Then throw in Lewis messing with Dexter's head, maybe becoming a sort of Bay Harbour butcher mimic. Who knows? And that's the beauty of the show. Then season 8 can wrap everything up with a nice happy ending for Dex. Deb and Lewis dead. Then baby Harry comes running into Dexter's new home with a dead cat or something and a giant grin on his face. Then Dexter slaps his hand to his forehead, fade to black. <laughs> Thanks very much for that, but what? Deb? Dead at the end? Is that what you'd like to see? <laughs> I have to say, I don't want anything bad to happen to her. She deserves a happy ending after all the crap she's been through. At the risk of sounding like an old romantic, I honestly think she deserves to find true love and be comfortable in her own skin. To be to be sure of her place in the world and be totally out of Harry's shadow, that's what I'd like for her. I don't want to see her dead. Do you really? <laughs> but I quite like your theory about Lewis. Despite what we've said before, you know, reservations about having another serial killer hiding in plain sight within Miami PD... I liked how he stayed off our radar for a while, being such an amiable computer geek, before we saw he had the prosthetic hand. He could be using that to get to Dexter, to test him, test his skills, see if he can trace it back to him. It could be that Lewis has no actual connection to Brian Moser, he's just using the evidence because he knows it was a case Dexter will have been involved with. Thanks very much for the email. <laughs> 
You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. But what do I have to offer a child? Just me? Demented Daddy Dexter. Hi, Garrett. This is Mike from State College. I just wanted to call in and give you my review of Season 6. Um... I think the season started off pretty great this year, um, but it, I think it became boring uh, not too long after. Dexter had that reunion episode in the season opener, and that was really cool. Uh, but once we got through about episode four or so, uh, I realized that the show was starting to take on far more than it could carry, and uh, I hoped it would balance itself out, but it didn't. And it uh, it spun more and more widely out of control as the season went along. Um, I think this season tried to cover way too much territory. We had callbacks to season one and season four. Um, there was uh, Quinn spinning out of control, um, all the DDK stuff, Brother Sam, uh, the creepy interns, and, and Lewis, and Ryan, and uh, we had Deb's burgeoning feelings for, for Dexter to deal with. Um, one thing I think is season five gets a lot of a lot of uh, crap thrown at it, but if you look back, I think while season five had its share of mistakes, like uh, dropped storylines, uh, it also it also I think was more focused this than this season. I think this season was just all over the place, um, and, and that includes uh, the religious themes, which I was fine with it, tackling religion this season, but. Uh, I think it could have been done in a in a much better way. Um, it, it didn't it didn't feel uh, nuanced or subtle. Um, it just felt like we were being bludgeoned over the head every ten minutes. And that you know nuance and subtlety that's something that hasn't been anywhere on this show at all this season. I mean everything has been so you know, heavy-handed and blatant. Um, you know it's just like 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 throwing it right in your face every time. I mean, like, we're not smart enough to understand something that isn't just spelled out for us. And, uh, you know, so it comes to the fact is, what did we learn this season? And what did Dexter learn? Uh, I felt like the religious themes uh, were simply not used really well uh, in getting across the ideas and and at least enough to validate uh, this season being based around them. Um, I felt like we were trying to get somewhere, but uh, there was just too much bombast, um, too much heavy-handedness. We have the DDK murders as the dark side of religion. We had Brother Sam as the light. Uh, we had Harrison, you know, just trying to go to Catholic preschool, you know, and all just, you know, coincided, you know, all came together at the same moment, of course. Um, it felt contrived, uh, way too heavy, you know. Um, but, you know, like, take a look at last season, season five, you know. We, what I liked about that season was that um, it, it was straightforward and it was honest, and we we understood what the season was about. You know, Dexter had to find a, a redemptive act to ease his guilt over over Rita's death, and uh, you know, and accomplished it. You know, it set out what you know accomplished what it set out to do. And in this season, like I said, it was just all over the. You know, um, with only twelve episodes, uh, the writers, you know, they need to figure out a way to deliver the themes and their storylines better. Um, 
you know, the ideas and themes, they need to be simpler or at least packaged simpler. Um, they need to be more clear-cut. This doesn't mean they need to be ineffective. They just need to get them across better and more effectively. Um, and this comes, you know, the next point I wanted to make is that, and I'm sure I'm not the only person that's probably going to say this, but there's way too many characters on this show. Way too many characters. I mean, I really thought that, that somebody would die this year. I thought that, uh, you know, I'm not talking about Travis. I mean, I'm talking about actual characters in the show. Um, I thought Quinn and LaGuerta were, were definitely gone this year. I really thought that they would surprisingly come to their deaths, um, and they didn't. And because they lived, not only do we have to deal with Dexter and Deb's storylines, which, of course, are the most important to deal with, but we now also have a cast of at least seven other people on this show. We've got Quinn, LaGuerta, Batista, Jamie, Lewis, Nazuka, Mike Anderson. You know, and speaking of Mike Anderson, you know, he came on strong in his initial appearance, but but he you know, like he just disappeared. All of a sudden, it's like less and less in each episode. He just kind of like went. Thanks, Mike. Obviously, you got cut off at the end there. Sorry about that. Uh, I don't know whether you noticed or not. Uh, actually, I just <laughs> in the, just mentioned if you notice a, a change in uh, audio quality or if it sounds a bit funny now compared to a few seconds ago. Um, I'm recording this feedback podcast over two or three days, so um, this is day two of recording. <laughs> um, Mike, you talked about the religion theme there, and I agree with you. I was also interested to see what they did with it, but even though I accept it's a massive subject and they couldn't possibly cover it fully, they really only just scratched the surface this season. They, I do still feel that, as I say, despite it being a massive subject, they could have done much more with it. You mentioned that what they did touch on religion-wise, we got bludgeoned over the head with every ten minutes or so, and that there was no subtlety or nuance something you say was pretty much missing all season. And I think you're probably right. Maybe that is one of the things I've been trying to put my finger on when I think about why this season felt a bit flat to me. You also raised the issue of whether there are too many characters. Personally, I fully expected someone to die this year. One of the regular supporting characters, either Quinn, Batista or LaGuerta... Not only didn't they do that, we got two more seemingly new regular supporting characters in Lewis and Anderson. Clearly, Lewis has a role to play in Dexter's storyline next year. Whether it'll be significant remains to be seen, but Anderson so far has just been another detective. So rather than thinning the ranks, the cast has been expanded, which is not a good thing <laughs> when we've all said for a long time that the supporting storylines have often been filler and not terribly interesting. And you ask the question, what did Dexter learn this year? Even in the much maligned season 5, you can't say that Dexter didn't learn something about love and making a connection with someone you can be yourself with. And through helping Lumen... Sorry, Travis, I had to mention her name. He he also did something to help ease his guilt over Rita's death. This year, yes, he had his eyes open to religion, but... He's not come out of it a Christian, not that we expected him to, to be fair, but how has his character really progressed? I think that I think the fact that he's referred to a higher power and not been dismissive of things spiritual or religious, I think that shows some progress, but in the scheme of things, he's not really developed this season, so can we call season six a failure? I'm not sure I'd go that far, but some of you might. 
Thanks again, Mike. On to an email from Nick Henderson from the 4Player Podcast, who says, Let me start by saying that it's been a real pleasure listening to your show this season. I will continue to listen on a regular basis and contribute... Oh, excuse me. Sorry about that. And contribute when I can. There is a lot to say about the finale, but I will start by summing up my opinions of the season as a whole. Season 6 will most likely be referred to as the worst season of Dexter, replacing Season 3. The season started really strong, and unfortunately began to lose its focus somewhere around the Nebraska episode, and was never able to find its footing. Dexter's spiritual search never came back into focus after drowning Nick in the ocean, and then winning his battle with his darkness. By that time, the DDK story was struggling to remain interesting, and Dexter himself just didn't seem as invested as he was in any of the previous seasons. Perhaps my biggest complaint lies in some of the lazy writing that often had Dexter living dangerously, when the character that we know and love would never be so reckless. The suspension of disbelief that the writers expected from the audience this season was almost too much to bear. The sudden dip in quality of writing is... Something I can't quite explain since most of the writers have been with the show since the beginning. When you get right down to it, there really is no excuse for all the side plots that never panned out or became interesting. Quinn never redeemed himself after a season of debauchery. Lewis, while obviously a character that will play a role next season, failed to play any significant role in the story arc of the season. And Batista was barely a character this season. Why even put these characters in the show if they aren't going to add anything significant to Dexter's story? While I have many complaints with the season overall, I still adore this series and find it to be one of the most compelling fictional stories on television. It's a concept that I feel has not yet worn out its welcome, and there are plenty of avenues to explore that will keep the show interesting for its remaining two seasons. I've always said that a bad season of Dexter is still a great season of television. There are a few things that the show did well this season. For one, the kill scenes were among the best of the series. Joe Walker, the Tooth Fairy, Nick and now Travis were some of the most intricate and poetic kill scenes ever. I would even go as far as to say that the scene in which Dexter drowns Nick in the ocean is my favourite scene of the entire show. The scenes where the show focuses on Dexter still shine bright. Unfortunately, there were just too many unremarkable characters and plot lines this season to keep it afloat. As for the finale, I'll keep this brief. There was only one intense and remarkable scene in this episode, and you know what I'm talking about. The kidnapping of Harrison was short-lived, and the final moments between Dexter and Travis on the roof were brief, to say the least. Perhaps this scene was ruined by the preview scene from last week, but I had this entire scenario figured out in my mind a week ago, and I was spot on. The Deb-Dex thing doesn't freak me out as much as some other people, I think it's a little weird, depending on where they take it from here, but other than that, it's something that happens in life fairly often. The fact that Harry was always focused on Dexter sort of implies that she has felt distant, distant from her brother since they were kids, and in that regard, it kind of makes sense that she might develop feelings for him. Also, I think that these feelings wouldn't exist if they weren't planted there by the therapist. And let's be serious for a second, there's no way that Dexter would actually reciprocate when she does tell him. I'm pretty sure that these feelings were intended to open her eyes to the fact that a brother is no different than any other important man in her life. Broken, inappropriate and unavailable. With that said, I'm going to hold my judgement on this plot until I see where they take it next season. Finally, the cliffhanger ending. 
the final scene in the church, also ranks high on my list of best kills of the show. The lines delivered by Hall and Hanks in this scene were well written and brilliantly delivered. Of course, the moment that Deb walked in, everyone in the room with me was freaking out, reminding me of why I watched this show. The look on Dex and Deb's face were priceless, and the final line of the season, oh God, was very poetic. It's scenes like these that make me feel like this season had such potential. It also demonstrates that the writers know what they're doing. It's just a shame that so much else this season felt rushed. At the very least, season 7 and 8 will be different, and I can't wait to witness the fallout of this development. It's been a long time coming. October 2012 couldn't come soon enough. Thanks very much, Nick. I have to say... I'm inclined to agree with you about the place of season six within the annals of Dexter history. It did have a lot of potential with the spiritual theme, and I really like the Brother Sam character. I just wish he'd been around for longer, although he certainly sowed some interesting seeds in Dexter's head. It will, of course, be best remembered now for the Deb discovery, and it could be that those final moments will have viewers ultimately remembering the season much more fondly than it actually deserves. Much like the end of season four, although I hastily say <laughs> that I'd rate season four much more highly than season six. It certainly wasn't the best season of Dexter overall, not for me anyway, despite the great work by Hall and Lithgow. But you're right that many of the writers have been with the show since the early days, and that should help strengthen the show, give that creative consistency. And to their credit, they have brought in the odd new writer here and there for fresh blood, fresh ideas. So I don't really see why the last two seasons haven't been so solid. You know, Nick, you've, you've written a nice review of the season there, summing up the good and the bad. I was interested to read that you consider the Nick drowning scene as maybe your favourite ever seen from the show. And you're right, the show is always best when it focuses on Dexter himself. And the supporting characters, Quinn never redeemed himself as we hoped he might. I thought that he'd either do something heroic and be everyone's favourite playboy again, or that he'd get killed off. And you make a reasonable assessment of the Deb Dexter love storyline, and honestly, I'm starting to wonder, <laughs> as we continue through this hiatus, whether my feelings about it will soften. Yeah, I said it. It is something that can and does happen in real life, so it's not something we have to suspend great disbelief about. Like I've said multiple times now, I just don't want this for these two characters that I care about. I don't know. Ask me again in September. <laughs> and your comments about the final scene. It was really well staged and well acted. It gave us that fantastic oh shit moment and closed the season on a high. As a show... When Dexter's good, it's very, very good. And that discovery, it was a game-changer, wasn't it? And we do like a game-changer. It's a bold move by the writers to pull the trigger on this with two seasons still to go, but it blows the show wide open. And it leaves us nine months to speculate on how Deb will react. Thanks again, Nick. On to an email from Ken in Melbourne, Australia, who says, Firstly, fantastic job by you this season as usual. Thanks, Ken. Season 6 for me was not the best. Dexter just took too many chances and of course it has led him getting caught in the climax of the season. All in all, this was the worst season, but this leads into next season, which, with fantastic new plotlines in the offering, I'm looking forward to it. Yes indeed, Ken, this wasn't the best season. 
I defended season 5, but I do find it harder to stick up for season 6. There was certainly less to praise it about. Dexter did take chances. Hey, maybe he had too much faith in his ability to stay undetected. See? Faith again? <laughs> and look how that turned out. But now it's all been blown wide open. They've got loads of possibilities for season 7. On to an email from Barbara in New York, who says, Another season of Dexter under our collective belt. I can't thank you enough for your hard work in pulling this podcast together week after week. Now that the season's over, I'll miss you in your mobile studio with the helicopters whirring overhead and the squirrels scrambling and the rain pelting. About Dexter season six, insert finger down throat. Now, I'm a firmly fixed Dexter fan and even have the Dexter theme as my ringtone. But this last season sucked, and I blame it on showrunner Scott Buck. He's the guy who bragged about a twist that the fans knew very early on. He also commented in a recent interview, I find it kind of interesting that people are uneasy about Deb's love towards her brother. That, on a show about serial killers, it's the idea of love that makes people more uncomfortable. Really, Scott? Is that why we're uncomfortable? However, all is forgiven if the next two seasons show Deb dealing with the fact that her brother is a serial killer. Please, oh please, gods that be, don't open the next season with Deb hitting her head in the church and getting a season-long bout of amnesia. I might have to inject myself with a needle full of animal tranquilizer. <laughs> Thanks, Barbara. Hey, I have the Dexter theme as my ringtone too. <laughs> but it's okay. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going back to rewatching season two soon, so there will be new podcasts between now and season seven. And you mentioned the rain pelting. I'm happy to say that this on day two of the finale feedback podcast recording marathon, it's sunny outside. It's quite mild and a bit windy, but it's nice out. It's almost like an early spring day, so so it's good. Okay, email from Jennifer Bielski who says, First off, let me start by saying, I wrote once before saying I was looking forward to the rest of the season after they revealed Geller was dead. I was quite disappointed to say the least. For one thing, I didn't like that Edward James almost disappeared after the reveal. He was great. Apparently Travis just forgot he had an alter ego. Some weak writing there. Anyway, obviously the only memorable scene from the finale was the last minute when Deb finally catches Dexter killing in action. Other than that, the episode, along with the rest of the season, just kind of seemed to fizzle out. Everything was just a tease. The story with Deb and Dexter, though, can go in so many directions in season seven, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. Dexter can reveal his whole self to her. He can say it was a one-time thing, etc. The whole love angle between those two will hopefully come to an end. Not sure why that was even a thought in any of the writers' heads. There are soap operas elsewhere for that kind of thing, not here. As for the hand, the only scenario I can come up with for the writers being obsessed with it is maybe Deb will come across it in Dexter's apartment and begin to see how messed up he really is. Sorry, there's a lorry reversing behind me. Not sure, but I do hope season 7 redeems itself. I know when you are six seasons deep in a series, they're not all going to be winners, so I'll let this season slide. It had its moments for sure. Thanks, Jennifer. I think almost vanished because Travis had that internal awakening and realisation that Geller was just a figment of his imagination, in brackets, <laughs> conjured up by his own madness. And he obviously had that realisation that he'd killed Geller three years previously. You come up with a nice suggestion about the hand there. Imagine Deb finding that in Dex's apartment on the back of her seeing him kill Travis. Bloody hell. I think it more realistic that Dexter will find it, though, but can you imagine his reaction? 
<laughs> he's going to be in quite a state coming home from the church and whatever conversation he's about to have with Deborah. And then he finds that bloody hand in his kitchen. Jeez, he's going to have a flid. <laughs> and you're right. Not every season can be a winner, but I think it should still be possible to maintain a decent standard when we have much of the creative team still here who gave us seasons one, two and Trinity. Thanks, Jennifer. An email next from Bob Klein, who says, Discovered your show at the start of this past season, and it really made the whole Dexter experience much more enjoyable. Almost looking forward to the podcast as much as the actual next season of the show. Some random thoughts, theories and observations about the finale and the show's future. I, like everyone else, am trying to come to grips with the incest storyline. I think it's getting such a strong reaction because it's a topic that generally makes one's stomach churn. One staff member of the show had a great quote that put things into perspective a bit for me. They said it's funny how the viewers have such an easy time accepting and rooting for Dexter being a serial killer, but the moment anything incestual is alluded to, they feel sick. Maybe I don't hate the storyline as much as I did a week ago. Regarding Lewis, he's obsessed with Dexter and also legitimately seems to like helping out Miami Metro and others in general. Instead of him becoming a villain of sorts, I think it may go a different route. We saw some hints of Dexter getting a sidekick in previous seasons, but I feel Lewis may want to try it out as well. Perhaps he turns to the dark side when Dexter says no again. I also thought that the opening scene of the finale, with Dexter nearly dying in the ocean, was very well done. The show did a great job of making us feel his hopelessness, even though we knew it wouldn't end that way. Thanks, Bob. You're the second person to quote that about how we all accept and root for Dexter being a serial killer but the suggestion that Deb's in love with Dexter has us all running for the sick bucket. And it's a fair point, I must admit. Which of the two is more morally objectionable to any rational, normal person? But with this, we're just talking within the scope of the TV show, and, you know, we've had six years of Dexter being a serial killer. We've long got past the questions of whether it's right to root for this guy. Time is a great healer. And I do feel that our disgust at this recent turn of events will most likely soften by the time season 7 airs. But for now, I think we're well within our rights to balk at it. I like the opening scene of the finale too. Dexter bobbing about in the ocean, considering his position. And I like the boat picking him up and the woman saying about God watching out for him, or whatever the line was. It nicely brought back the religion theme and then led to Dexter saying later that if he was saved by a higher power for any reason, it'd be for Harrison. All right, I'm paraphrasing, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. On to an email from our good friend Travis, who came up with a few positive points, uh, like me feeling like we were a bit too negative in our conference call. <laughs> and he comes up with a few positives. This season really didn't waste its time with boring side plots like people think past seasons have done. We have to appreciate that. And LaGuerta, as a character, finally seems to be where she needs to be, the unlikable boss who sometimes can show a flash of compassion. And the villains this season, both real and imagined, did, a st did start to grab my interest near the end of the season. Travis was legitimately holding my attention once the Geller foolishness was dealt with. Even if you agreed that these were maybe the weakest big bads the series has had, they could still be good in their own right. After all, if I saw a really ugly naked lady, it's still pretty cool that I saw a naked lady. <laughs> Thanks, Travis, <laughs> on typical form. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up these positives about the season, though. It wasn't all negative, but it's all too easy to pick up on those points. When we love the show as much as we do, 
disappointment unfortunately is never far away if our our high expectations aren't met. I have to agree with your points there regarding boring side plots. When I was preparing my notes for the podcast this season, I tried to split them up into storylines or characters, and the bulk of my notes were usually under the banner of Dexter, which has to be a positive sign, doesn't it? And for subplots, Ryan Chambers didn't seem to come to much, but she did set up Lewis getting the hand. And as we've seen, he's going on to play a part in season 7. It's a storyline that provided great intrigue towards the end for me, so that has to be a positive. The Batista-Quinn-Buddy-Cop thing gave us some amusement for a while. And after a while, of course, it fizzled out for Batista, who ended the season being the upstanding professional we thought him to be. And for Quinn, he was left in a mess. It was definitely a season of downfall for him. And he's back next year, so his story's not done yet. Maybe that'll be the storyline to keep him and Batista busy. Maybe Quinn's redemption will happen next year, perhaps with him being written out, making the ultimate sacrifice. I think we got the right amount of LaGuerta this year, and I agree with you. She's always been most effective as a character when she's played the role of the antagonist, being a bitch, but with the occasional moments of honesty, like we saw in the finale talking to Deb. I... (laughs) Yeah, you're going to knock me, or some of you will knock me for saying this, but I'm not so eager to see her die now. (laughs) Regarding DDK... It's surprising how quickly our collective interest in DDK waned as the season went on. I think we were guilty of getting hung up on whether Geller was real or not, and that certainly tarnished the storyline for me. But then again, the mystery was put there by the writers, so we can't really be blamed for discussing it and theorising about it. It was nice when the Geller reveal happened, though, and Travis could get down and dirty and just be an evil bastard. (laughs) Accusations of cartoonish vinyl villainy aside it was nice to be rid of the weekly question and see Travis's madness unleashed thanks Travis that's emailer Travis (laughs) on to an email from writer gal who before the finale emailed to say that the season made no sense in at least three areas first of all the theme of Dex finding religion died at the same time brother Sam did because what we were left with in Travis was not true religion of any sort It was a madman perverting pieces of scripture, and as a religious person, I found that offensive. I kept hoping someone with true faith like Brother Sam would reappear, but to my knowledge, that didn't happen in the finale. Religion thus became a gimmick, and that's disrespectful to people of faith. Secondly, Travis's motivation made no sense at all. We were led to believe that he was suffering from multiple personality disorder, or MPD, But suddenly the game changed to him being a psychopath since childhood, and that makes no sense. You can have one or the other, but not both. If he was a psychopath, he would never have let that one victim go. If he had MPD, he did not deserve Dexter's knife. It was as if, in their effort to fool us, they changed the villain's character mid-season, and that's manipulative. And then, after the finale, writer girl wrote in again, to say, and I quote, Watched the finale tonight, and I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would. Still wasn't the best season, and I still think the Deb in love with Dexter storyline is crazy, but I think her feelings could and should go right out of the window now that she realises she really doesn't know him at all. He's not only a serial killer, but he's messed up her investigation, and now she'll never get Travis. Plus, if these feelings weren't... I'll read that again. Plus, if these feelings were reciprocated, they couldn't work together. 
as Angel and LaGuerta discovered. Which is all to say that I sincerely hope this storyline is dumped like the proverbial hot potato once season 7 begins. I still think Travis was an illogical villain, but the faith aspect was redeemed a bit for me at the end when Dexter realised that one, God did save him, and two, maybe for Harrison's sake. This ending scene with Harrison was far sweeter than the ending scene for season 5 at the birthday party. Thanks, writer gal. Yes, I like the moment when Dexter considered he was maybe saved for Harrison's sake. It kept the religion theme alive. And you're right about Travis essentially being a crazy man, twisting scripture to come up with his crazy agenda. Although, let's face it, he's not the first person in fiction or real life to do that. But you're right that he didn't represent true religion. However, in the broad scope of the season, it did touch on an aspect of religion, how how some people can use religion or religious ideals, religious, me- religious messages or beliefs, to suit their own ends. And as the season as a whole did raise the issue of religion, or at least the notion of there being some higher power to our man Dexter, and that was the key purpose of the season, I think. And by the end... Oh, there's a plane. <laughs> and by the end, he wasn't shut off to it, as demonstrated by that quiet moment of reflection with Harrison. But for Travis himself, I don't think his motivation was too clear. Yes, he was enacting scenes from Revelation, but what led him down this path? Where did his darkness originate? We don't know for a fact that he was a psychopath as a child, just that he maybe caused the car crash that killed his parents. There was no explanation for why he did this. His sister had nothing to offer about his past to lead us to think he was always crazy. So... Like with Jordan Chase last year, there are still unanswered questions about the origins of our central bad guy. The writers certainly did change Travis mid-season when Geller's body was found, and maybe a professional psychologist can properly explain what happened in his head. Does it still mean he suffered from MPD? I don't know. (laughs) Can the wall come down with this condition like it did with Travis? Letting that girl go free as he did, that surely backed up the MPD theory, but then his wall came down and his darkness took over completely following the Geller reveal. Now, whether this actually made... or whether this is actually realistic in terms of the accepted mental science of MPD, I don't know, but personally I went along with it. It made sense to me at the time, with my non-existent professional knowledge of mental disorders. (laughs) But you're right about Deb's newfound love for Dexter. By rights... It should be dropped pretty quickly. She's going to have all kinds of thoughts exploding into her head, including anger, because he's just scuppered the DDK case. How's she going to close this one now? Do they work together and have Travis's body turn up somewhere? They've got enough to tie the case to him, so if he turns up dead, they can close the case. But that would go completely against Deb's professional integrity. Yes, I know she let Lumen and partner go in season five, but she's lieutenant now, and I think that counts for a lot with her. So, I don't know. These questions add to the excitement and anticipation we should all be feeling for next season. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. Email your feedback to dissectingdexter at gmail.com. Blood. Sometimes it sets my teeth on edge. Hey there, Garris, it's Josh here, and I just watched the season finale of season 6 of Dexter. The big moment finally happened. Deb found out about Dexter being a serial killer. 
all in the span of a minute. <clears throat> Season 5 had such a better setup than that. It was so tense, so dramatic. I really felt that Dexter was going to get caught, and I didn't know. I was scared. Because they kept cutting away the dead, getting closer and closer and closer. And it was awesome. And she turned out to let them free, which is fine with me. I thought that was a nice twist. But they, then now they're like, okay, finally, let's run. Just, let's do this big moment and do it in the span of a minute and leave it as a cliffhanger. And I didn't like it. Just kind of interrupted a good kill kill scene for me. I felt it would have been better if they had a little more setup before that. And they didn't. I don't know. One of your listeners, like a week or two ago, said this moment is, is going to underwhelm us all because we're expecting so much from it. I mean, of course, I agree with him 100%. This is the biggest moment of the whole series, uh, Dexter's story arc as a whole. So, in the, I don't feel we even got a chance to see Deb's reaction. We barely saw a reaction from her. She just walked in, saw Dexter stab Travis. Dexter notices, uh-oh, cuts to Deb real quick, and then credits. Or I think that's how it happened. And that was just so lame. So, how's season, season 7 going to start? I'm assuming that they will start from right there. I'm hoping, at least. I'm hoping that's what they had planned. hoping they were like, you know, we're definitely going to get Season 7, so let's have this cliffhanger, like we did Rita, which was a good finale. Um, I'm just hoping they don't skip a year like they usually do, and just have, have the first scene be, well... Got found out about me, and uh, she's keeping my secret a uh, secret. But our relationship's been weird, type deal. And Harrison might be a problem too because he's going to get bigger. And by the time that Dexter airs next season, he'll probably be able to um, talk. So we'll see how that goes. I'm definitely hoping they they continue right from that scene. And um. I um, like Colin Hanks a lot, but I felt the writing for him this season, for Travis Marshall, was just very kind of bad. I don't want to say bad, but it was. Compared to Edward James almost, who had a much better part throughout the uh, season, um, Travis was supposed to be the big, big bad, and he only had two episodes to really be a good villain. And he he did the performance was excellent I thought but I still thought the storyline for him still felt weak and I'm disappointed because I like Colin Hanks and I love Tom Hanks too so I don't know I feel a little cheated I like Colin Hanks I hope uh so I hope some of your listeners. Enjoyed his performance. I certainly did. I think he just didn't have much to work with. Um, the last thing I want to say is I wish they would just get rid of Lewis because he, hadn't, he didn't do anything. People, Some people thought that he would do something, that he would be the big storyline this season, but his storyline this season ended like 
his whole story of the season. Slow. I felt he's always been a very boring character. I haven't liked him at all. And it just seemed really... He seems like a little fanboy of Dexter. And when he showed him his game, Dexter said, you suck. And then he had the hand. And yeah, just felt betrayed by his hero. I don't know. I don't like Lewis at all. I hope they drop the storyline. Because that's what Dexter writers nowadays are best for, is dropping storylines. <laughs> um, so that's pretty much all I have to say. This is kind of a long message, but uh, I just want to end on thank you very much, Gareth, for all the work you've done this season. I really appreciate it. Taking all of our calls, doing the podcast in your car when it's cold outside, and now it's fucking freezing. Um, I really appreciate all the work you've done this season. Uh, you definitely enhanced my viewing of Dexter this season. And, um, I can't wait to do it next season. And I will listen for your, um, rewinds and, uh, uh, guess Wasted Time podcast. And I'll keep up with you because I really appreciate the work you do for us. Thank you so much for this season, Gareth. You're the best. Bye-bye. Thanks, Josh. The Deb discovery was very sudden, but as a result of that, it was all the more shocking. We didn't get to see much of her reaction, except that she did look a bit dumbstruck. Not surprisingly. But I'm sure her subsequent reaction is still to come. Scott Buck has said that Season 7 will likely pick up where we left off. I don't think that's much of a spoiler, and would we want anything different to that anyway? But Josh, you felt the discovery was a bit lame. I guess this comes back to the problem we had with a less significant reveal, the Geller mystery. We'd anticipated it and discussed it so much that the eventual reveal was always going to be an anticlimax, or certainly a bit disappointing. There was arguably the same danger with however they eventually depicted Deb's discovery. I'd have preferred a few more seeds being planted and for her to have an inkling, and the odd moment with her saying, Could Dexter... Nah... Fuck balls, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> Moments like that. But this was probably the alternative to the slow build-up. We got the sudden reveal, which is perfectly plausible. I don't mind, as long as where we go from here is good. And he wanted them to drop Lewis. That's interesting, because for me, this Lewis storyline was the side plot I particularly appreciated this year. I've talked about how I like the slow burn. Seeds being planted one season to pay off the next season. I don't mind that. It happened with some of my previous favourite shows like The Wire. So, yeah, I've talked about how I liked what they did with him, the slow burn, him initially seeming like a random guest star, a one-season thing, but he became more intriguing through the Elliot search engine that we theorised is actually his own website and he'll be tracking what Dexter's been searching for with it. And then, of course, the reveal of the hand and him sending it to Dexter, not to mention his unhealthy interest in serial killers. There's a lot to speculate about his character, and I found him pretty intriguing by the end. We know he's back in season seven, so they're not just dropping him, which is something I welcome. If they did just drop him, we'd knock the writers, criticise them and say, look, that's another plot line they've dumped without any follow-through. But hey, this is just my opinion, of course. I ended up liking him, but it sounds like he never especially appealed to you. Hopefully he'll win you over next season. <laughs> Finally, 
thanks for your message of thanks. I really appreciate your generous comments. Obviously, the podcast is quite a bit of work, especially during the season doing one a week, but I get a lot of fun out of it. And honestly, the best reward for me, as I'm sure I've said before, is getting your comments, your voicemails and emails, knowing you guys are enjoying the show and want to talk about Dexter with me. You're supposed to preserve the crime scene, asshole. <laughs> this is the Dissecting Dexter Podcast. Keep up to date with the show on Twitter. Follow at Dissect Dexter. Melissa McFadden emailed to say, I've been listening to your podcast for the last two seasons now, and I thought it was about time I finally emailed in some feedback. I've been frequenting the message boards all season and the criticism for season six is overwhelming. I don't understand the hate for it. It was a hundred times better than season five, that's for sure. Yes, there were some weak episodes, but there were also some great ones too. One of my favourite season six episodes is Smoking the Bandit. It felt like a classic Dexter episode to me. I thought the season started off great, went downhill a little bit in the middle and then came back full force at the end. People have been complaining that Dexter has gotten so sloppy. Well, I think the writers are purposely making him sloppy because he's getting very close to being caught. As for the incest angle, the writers may or may not continue with, I feel that Deb's feelings towards Dexter are just one-sided. Dexter does not love her back, not in that way at least. I think the whole reason the writers wrote that in was for Deb to finally discover the truth about him, I mean, think about it. If Deb hadn't gone to the church to profess her love for Dexter, she would have never caught him red-handed. I don't know why everybody's freaking out over Deb being in love with Dexter. The writers have been hinting at it in the show for years now. I love the finale, and I literally screamed at the very end. The image of Deb walking into the church just in time to see Dexter kill a man was just so creepy. Can't wait for next season. Thanks for all the podcasts this year, and I'm looking forward to hearing you continue backwards with the season two podcasts. Thanks, Alyssa. It's funny, again, there's more hate for season five. <laughs> I honestly didn't mind it so much, but I think season six probably saw Dexter considering new concepts more than he did in season five, exploring different avenues. As a whole, I really enjoyed the first episode this season, but then it steadily went downhill, picked up with Nebraska, then dips a little before picking up again towards the end. Indeed, I called episode 10, Ricochet Rabbit, a classic three-from-the-end Dexter episode. But, you know, it's my opinion. <laughs> Regarding Deb's love, I hope the writers didn't pull this storyline out of the hat just to give Deb a reason to go to the church and catch Dexter. I mean, they could have just had her kicking her heels at a loose end and thinking, oh, I know, I'll go to the church and see how Dex is getting on with that final sweep. Remember, she'd requested he go back and do one final sweep of the scene before they kind of closed it down. Or maybe she could have wanted to talk to him about something else. I don't know, I just don't think the love twist was necessary. And yes, that final moment was really good. <laughs> I didn't think they'd do it so soon, but it did give us a highlight to remember and something to talk about between now and season seven. On to another email from another listener, M. Cart. Didn't give your first name uh, but here we go this is what he or she had to say I appreciate your podcast you do an excellent job and I appreciate your kind and humble attitude and your openness to include your listeners thoughts I listened to your podcast when the season was almost over I purposely did not listen almost with you in each episode because I like to be more surprised and your great insight gave away too much 
but you were a joy to listen to. Thank you. I don't have a top five moments list for you. Right now I haven't had time to think it out. Off the top of my head, my favourite moment was when Dexter sent the video message on the phone to Travis, saying he was the beast. I laughed at that because I'm a strong Christian, but not your typical Christian. I don't believe in all the end times nonsense that most Christians today do. Revelation is actually referring to the first century events, thus most of it is already fulfilled. Anyhow, regarding religion on the show, you may or may not want to include this on one of your podcasts. I'm sure I'll take a lot of heat for my comments here, considering that so-called racism is the world's greatest sin now. But really, the show Dexter, particularly, shows forth my point completely about discrimination both against Christians and against the white race. I still quite enjoy the show despite these things. You'll notice that, as far as I remember, Dexter has not killed any black people at all. The really bad guys, the serial killers, as portrayed on television, are always white. This despite the fact that most serial killers are black in real life. But the news media doesn't report on this. Neither do television shows or movies reflect reality. Also you should notice that in this season, as it is on just about any TV show or movie, the good Christian man was a black man. The bad Christian man was a white man. This is all too typical. It's pretty much like this on everything you see nowadays. On TV, movies and even on commercials where the white guy is the idiot and the black guy is always the reasonable one. Can you imagine the outrage from Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton and whoever else in the mainstream media if the black man were the bad Christian and the white man the good one? I hope you will at least keep this in the back of your mind when, matching TV, when watching TV and movies and commercials from now on, even if you don't agree. Also, try to think about the outrage that would happen if the doomsday type killers were Muslims or Jews. Do we ever see this happen on shows? If we ever have, it would be totally rare and would be highly criticised, I'm sure. But to do this to Christianity over and over again is no big deal. I'm sure it has a lot to do with the Jews owning almost all of the mainstream media, TV networks, etc. Look it up if you don't believe me. Wow. <laughs> Thanks for the email. Um... I appreciate the support, firstly. You make a very good point about not listening exactly in tandem with the episodes. It's definitely a... Or rather, there is definitely a downside to doing this. Watching on your own, you've just got your own thoughts, but listening to a podcast, and even producing a podcast, <laughs> you hear everyone else's theories too. And even if they're not based on spoilers, it puts the seeds in your head. So then if any come to fruition, you're less surprised because the suggestion was already there. And the rest of your email, I have to say, and this will come as no surprise, it's certainly the most controversial email I've ever received about the show, and, and you make some broader statements about the media. Um, I'm not a media expert, so I can't comment with any authority on the statistics of portrayals of different religions and colours and creeds in the media. Oh, yeah, I, I kind of <laughs> kind of hesitate to respond. Really, let me let me uh, just gather my thoughts. I mean, I certainly appreciate you sending in your comments about these themes in the show, and I'm sure there'll be some listeners who may be shocked by your comments, may be outraged, and will certainly consider them controversial. But honestly, though, I hesitate to comment too much on what you've said. Um, as brave as you are putting your thoughts out there, it's very dodgy ground. I mean, let's face it, 
there are few more emotive subjects than that of racial discrimination. But you're right that the majority of serial killers in fiction, I think from to my perception, I think they are probably mostly white men. I don't know about what the stats show in real life though, real life killers. I, I was always led to believe that the majority of real life serial killers, kind of the, the typical profile, were white males aged between something like 30 and 50. I could be wrong though, whether that's changed in recent years. However, I do believe that for many years political correctness has gone mad, even down to changing words like blackboard to chalkboard. I mean, <laughs> this isn't the appropriate place to discuss the subject, but I do think society is a bit too scared of running the risk of causing upset or offence these days. As I say, political correctness has gone mad. And I don't know whether this society in which we live in, where litigation has gone mad, um, has, has just gone into overdrive that maybe people are too afraid of being honest and open. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm on thin ice, aren't I, with whatever I say. I, I mean, I'm sure the media is no exception, and you make some fair observations, and you are within your rights to question how society would feel if roles were reversed. Honestly, I think society generally wouldn't mind. But it only takes a few to complain, doesn't it? Especially if some of those few are influential. Is Christianity a soft target for the entertainment industry? It's possible. I wonder what our Christian listeners think of this question and the issues you raise. It's definitely a hot potato and, <laughs> and the proverbial can of worms. I wouldn't blame anyone for not wanting to open it. But with all that said, it's not always Christianity that's depicted in a negative light. The show 24 comes to mind. They often had Islamic bad guys, and to be fair, the show did get its share of complaints about that fact. But it didn't stop them doing it, and the show ran for, what, eight years? Oh, I don't know. It's a big subject, and certainly not one that it's right to discuss in great depth here. But as far as Dexter goes, the TV show, religion only became a theme in season six. God had been mentioned before. I remember a scene in season two when Dexter attended Paul's funeral and he made some comments as he entered the church. But I'm struggling to think of any non-white Dexter victims. Miguel Prado was of Latin American origin. I'm trying to think back. I've not finished rewatching season two and I've never rewatched three or four, so... There may be one or two tucked away, but there's definitely an ethnic trend in Dexter's victims. And whether that feeds into what I thought was the real-life trend in serial killers being white men. And I guess white men have formed the majority of Dexter's victims, so you know I don't know whether they're linking that in there. I'm certainly not going to suggest that the show's been racist, racist or inversely racist in any way, but it's an interesting point to consider. Wow, so... I mean, that, that's a fascinating and as I say, controversial subject to talk about. And who knows, maybe we'll get some email or voicemail responses to your email. And, uh, you know, if, if if anyone does want to respond, then, I don't know, try and sort of keep it geared or centred around Dexter. But, I don't know, it's an interesting one. I mean, maybe it's something we could talk about on my other podcast, Gareth's Waste of Time. So if you want to email me there, it's garethswasteoftime at gmail.com. Or use the listener lines or email into dissectingdexter at gmail.com and um, 
maybe I can take some of your comments over to the other podcast and discuss it more widely on there. But for now, I'll say thanks for that and uh, that very brave email <laughs> sticking your head above the parapet there. So um, thanks for that. On to a voicemail now. And it's our second caller from Melbourne, Australia, with a Dissecting Dexter world record voicemail. But it's full of good thoughts. Here we go. Hi, Gareth. It's Louise from Melbourne in Australia here. Um, firstly, yes, two more seasons of Dissecting Dexter. Very excited about that. Um, in response to a suggestion made in an earlier podcast, I love and fully support the suggestion of you getting a walk-on part in Dexter. Um, I've listened to other Dexter podcasts and none of them come close to comparing with how good your show is, Gareth. I don't even bother to just subscribe to the others anymore and just wanted to thank you for all the work and time you put into recording and producing this show, Gareth. really adds to my enjoyment of the show and you've done a great service to the fans by giving us this community to be part of. So thank you, sir. Now, to my thoughts on the show. The last two episodes had me on the edge of my seat in places and I enjoyed the tension of will Dexter be okay. I don't recall ever feeling as much tension in prior seasons. I'm not a fan of Dexter going after the same killers as Miami Metro and I agree with other dissectarians on this. It's not only dangerous and reckless for Dexter but it also means he often ends up sort of stealing the thunder from his colleagues and from Deb. Um, this is disrespectful to his colleagues and most importantly to Deb. My other beef with this is that it makes the show more predictive and therefore less interesting as Miami Metro end up becoming pawns in Dexter's own world manipulated by him. If the writers don't do something about Lewis, the ice truck killer hand and the Elliot search engine, I will be very disappointed as I know many of the callers would be. The character of Lewis was a nice slow burn throughout the second half of the season and I'm pleased to see the writers are carrying on this aspect to the story into the next season, or at least I'm hoping that they are, and that it doesn't just stop and never be resolved like many other side plot lines that has happened before, which is very annoying. Uh, I don't believe Lewis knows Dexter's secret, but he will find out thanks to the Elliot search engine tracking Dexter's searches. The hand, I think Lewis took an opportunity, but I don't think he was working with Ryan. I think he knows about the relationship between Dexter and Brian Moser, which he would have discovered in his research on the ice truck killer from the video game. The hand being sent to Dexter with the lifeline painted on it could be just to freak Dexter out, like it would if anyone received that package, and doesn't necessarily indicate Lewis knows Dexter is the Bay Harbor Butcher. Although I must say, I do love the suggestion by the other listener that an algorithm Lewis has in the video game points to Dexter being the Bay Harbor Butcher. The twist regarding Deb being in love with Dex. Well, I'm not surprised, <clears throat> excuse me, by this being grossly unpopular with the fans, although I imagine it was a twist that surprised people. It certainly surprised me. I will be surprised if the writers continue with developing this. I think instead it will make Deb continue to analyse her relationship with Dex and the bond she has with him, feelings which will ultimately be tested when she learns of Dex's betrayal. Although, considering this show we love features graphic violence every week and is about a serial killer, I'm surprised at how vehemently people reacted to the love plotline. There is a whole feminist perspective on violence and sex, which I won't go into here, except to say that it is interesting that violence is more normalised and acceptable than the very suggestion of consenting sex between two unrelated adults. What annoyed me most about this twist in the plot was the sloppy writing and the complete lack of sexual tension between the two protagonists leading up to the twist. 
and that ridiculous days of our lifestyle directing and cinematography of the noodle eating dream sequence. On no level did this work. My boyfriend had suggested that the two actors must have really pissed off the head writer and director at some stage and in punishment they wrote this twist in so that the real life divorced couple would become a couple again on stage. Uh, which aside from that being amusing, uh, regardless, I think this plot is short-lived and especially given the final 60 seconds of the finale. This is the Dissecting Dexter Podcast. It helps me control the chaos. Now for the big reveal, the moment that has forever changed and effectively ended Dexter's world. Deb's world and the world as we know it in Dexterland. I know I'm in a very small minority, but I actually never wanted Deb to find out the truth about Dexter. It has never been crucial to my enjoyment of the show. However, now that it has happened, I'm certainly going to be on the edge of my seat for nine months in a pregnant pause while we all await episode one, season seven. I am anxious to see what the writers do with Deb and Dexter in this new world they will create for them. I'm personally truly at a loss to come up with anything plausible, but thankfully for viewers the world over, I am not a writer on Dexter. There are a few reasons I didn't want Deb to discover Dexter's secrets. I don't want to hurt. She's been through enough already, and Dexter's her only real connection with another person. Not only would it crush her to know about Dexter's moonlighting because of the obvious legal and moral implications, but him killing people is really just the surface of the issues and what this truth means for Deb. Knowing about his serial killer ways means that she would have to face up to the role Dexter played in the tragedies of her own life. At work, how many killers have gone uncaught by Miami Metro because of Dexter? Deb's job is incredibly important to her. She works her ass off in what is traditionally a male-dominated world, only to find out that the one man who she is closest to has over the years directly put her and others in danger and thwarted her and Miami Metro's efforts at catching the bad guys. And there is framing Doke and making the entire department a laughing stock. No one would ever be okay with this. Then there is the impact Dexter's killing has had on her personal life. This includes Harry not prioritising her when they were children. Thanks to Dexter's interference with Trinity, Lundy and Rita died. Deb lost her sister-in-law Rita and the man she'd fallen in love with. If Dexter had passed on the information he knew, then Trinity would have been caught and both those people would likely be alive. And then, of course, there is the ice truck killer. Falling in love with a serial killer and almost being killed by him would be enough for one person to cope with. But seeing Dexter kill in the same ritual as Brian Moser did, how the hell is anyone supposed to find out these truths and not become completely dysfunctional? Deb will question everything she knows to be true and find out that most of the tragedies in her life are linked to Dexter in some way. I'm hoping for some superb writing over the next two years to make me and other dissectarians believe the journey Deb is going to go on. Of course, she's now in a position where she can cover up for Dexter. My overall thoughts on the season. The season seemed mostly about Deborah rather than Dex. Unlike other seasons, I didn't feel Dexter's character evolved as much as he has in other seasons. The season had promised but ultimately failed to deliver. The doomsday kills were interesting. I loved the theatrical nature of the murders. The Angel was my favourite, don't judge me. Um, but DDK stopped being interesting when the writers and director revealed Geller was not real. We all knew anyway. Please, don't be so obvious next time. I think Dexter was acting out of character for much of the season, and it's not so much this, but the inconsistencies and contradictions that I didn't like. 
His grandiose sense of self kept outweighing his care for Harrison, for Jeb and for his colleagues. I don't buy it. Continually hiding evidence from the cops, even when he knew Harrison's life was at stake. He could have alerted the cops to focus on the Tricor building. He didn't. He could have gotten him to lift with Harrison and left the building, but instead he somehow got Travis off the roof and into his car. Don't buildings have security cameras in Miami? I'm happy to suspend my disbelief, but not happy about the sloppy writing. And one final comment. I'm sure a fan must have put these statistics together, but it seems apparent to me in season um, five and has uh, six, sorry, and has continued this season that Dexter's need to kill seems to be waning. It seems that recent seasons have fewer kills compared to the earlier seasons. His need to fulfil his dark passenger is growing weaker because of the other fulfilment he has in his life. That's my theory. Didn't Harry say that the children will be his saviour? Anyway, thanks again, and I look forward to Season 7 and more of your thoughts, Gareth, and uh, for everyone else around the world. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Louise. That was brilliant. And thanks for your words of support, too. Much appreciated. We do have a nice little community going here, don't we? It was good to see a growing number of comments and theories on the Facebook page leading up to Christmas. Now the show's done, of course, it'll dry up a bit, no doubt. But it felt like a small core of regulars was being established, and that's great. You seem to share most of my thoughts on Lewis, but then he had to go and bring up noodles. That scene. Oh, God. (laughs) I was thinking how it was shot. Close-ups of Dexter's mouth and so on. It It had to be intended for comedic effect. I picture the writers watching it and laughing at how amusing it is and imagining us laughing along with them. But it sounds like Scott Buck was surprised by the negative reaction by the majority of viewers. In fact, I say majority, but I've yet to hear anyone say they applaud this particular storyline. Some may not be as negative as others, but I've not heard anyone be actually positive. I'm surprised you didn't want Deb to eventually find out about Dexter. That was always a given for me, thinking it was just a matter of when, not if. But I suppose another perfectly plausible direction would have been for Dexter to continue to come close to being found out, but then keep getting away with it by the skin of his teeth. Although, you know, you could then argue that that's been been situations that we've had arise many times before where he's been in jeopardy. But, you know, I've said before that I think the show's often at its best when Dexter's in serious danger of being found out. I suppose if they went down the road of Dexter continuing to come close to being found out, but getting away with it, they could have Deb never actually finding out, but maybe introduce some tension or some additional tension by having uh, her get a few suspicions, but ultimately staying in the dark. But you're right, she's going to go up the proverbial wall by her new discovery. Although the extent to which she goes mad will depend on how much she actually realises, or how much Dexter tells her. Him knowing about Trinity's identity alone, and the resulting deaths of Lundy and Rita, not to mention Deb herself getting shot. Wow, (laughs) she could well end up turning a gun on Dexter herself. And I did suggest a while back that a possible ending to the show would be Deb killing him. And you bring up a good point about the frequency of Dexter's kills that his killer urge seems to be waning. I've not done the maths, but it would appear that he is perhaps killing less and less often. This could well be an indicator that he's slowly getting nearer to suppressing his dark passenger. 
he's not acknowledged this in the show, but we've seen him make progress before that he's not recognised himself. Let's see what he does next year. Although, as I said, he's on Deb's radar now, and he'll have to be extra careful. Of course, Dexter being careful has been a controversial subject this season. <laughs> Thanks, Louise. I mentioned a further voicemail from Ian in Bristol, but... On listening to it, he goes through a summary of the season and gives his top ten moments of the season, uh, which makes for interesting read, read, interesting reading, interesting listening. Uh, so I might save that for the top five podcast that will be coming in the next couple of weeks. Instead, let's hear from Dave in Ohio. Hi, Gareth. This is Dave in Ohio calling in after watching for a second time the season finale of Dexter season six. Um, gosh. I, I, I just felt that I had to say something. I've sort of been posting on Facebook as well. Um, but I, I don't know what to say. At this point, I feel kind of like the guy who just found out his wife's been cheating on him. And uh, all I want to do is be angry and point out her faults and everything, every place where she went wrong and every device that she used that was trite or <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, gosh, I think I need some time to maybe uh, to think on it and um, maybe rewatch the whole season, but I think uh, much like a cheating spouse, I, I, I think the, the Deb falls in love or realizes her love for Dexter um, element of the season uh, overshadows anything good at this point. It kind of taints everything, makes you feel like you've been lied to all along, makes you wonder if there was anything really true about it. <laughs> uh, I'm getting a little bit carried away, but uh, <clears throat> uh, just just kind of have that feeling. And uh, this is, you know, from somebody who whose mantra, you know, has been trust the show. Well, I think... I think we need to go to therapy and get that trust repaired. So I'm going to just leave it at that for now. Maybe I'll maybe I'll get a few good nights sleep and uh, think differently in the morning. I don't know. Uh, thanks. I'm looking forward to the podcast, of course. Um, talk to you later. Trust the show. I come back to that mantra as a big helicopter goes overhead. This is the story the writers want to tell. Having Deb's character go this way is certainly brave on their part, but I've still got a sour taste in my mouth from when it was first mentioned. And please, nobody dare mention Noodles again. <laughs> I feel a little betrayed that they've done this to her character, but thinking about it, thinking about it, as I respond to your voicemail, so this is a bit of live theorising on Dissecting Dexter, <laughs> maybe what's happening to her, it's kind of a manifestation of her own passenger. I stop short of calling it her dark passenger, but a passenger of sorts. Dexter was screwed up at that young age and his dark passenger is the result, but Deb, she's had her share of trauma, mainly during the timeline of the show since season one, but she had daddy issues before that. Perhaps the turn we're seeing now is a consequence of her head being messed up by what she's experienced. I could, of course, be way off the mark and simply conjuring up an excuse for this storyline. An excuse that maybe I could buy into. Honestly, I'm not as angry about it as I was three weeks ago, but I still don't like it. 
Dave followed this voicemail with an email, and he writes, Now that I've had some time to sleep on and mull over season six, and I've also listened to the Dissecting Dexter finale podcast, I think I have a better perspective on the season. Sadly, by better I mean more reasonable or clear. As you've said many times on the podcast, there are indeed many elements of the season that do have value and that were entertaining, and I agree with that. However, I'm not sure that I can give this season a passing grade, and it all comes down to the writing. The writing this season, for the most part, was just plain lazy. The writers and showrunners produced some interesting scenarios and setups, but they didn't have enough or any follow-through. And I would argue that it's the follow-through that turns a good Dexter season into a great Dexter season. Think about how well we know and love even short-lived characters like Brian, Dokes and Trinity. It's because not only did these characters have a great setup, but had even more follow-through. The writers were able to make these full, dynamic characters. Follow-through is not just important to characters, even something like the ice truck killings were all about follow-through. It was not enough to make them dramatic, graphic crimes. They needed the follow-through. The meaning behind them needed to be explained and explored for them to have the kind of impact we've come to expect from Dexter. Season 6 seemed to be lacking on these marks. I don't feel like I know Travis or Geller as characters. There was no great explanation or exploration of the DDK killings. The only new character that I feel I know even a little is Brother Sam, and he didn't survive half the season. It was the comments made by Scott Buck in the Showtime video podcast that really drove home my thought that there was no, or not enough, follow-through this season. In previous seasons, the comments by the producers and actors in the podcast focused on the characters and character development, and what the, and what the events of the season meant for the show and the characters' growth. But this season, Scott Buck's comments focused on the mechanisms and execution of the events, explaining how they worked to keep certain twists secret, and saying how it was finally time to pull the trigger on things like Deb finding out about Dexter's dark passenger, and how they finally decided to use the plot device of Deb falling in love with Dexter, because it had been brought up, but never used season after season. This gave me the impression that the writers and producers were more focused on the mechanics of setting up shocking plot developments than they were on explaining and exploring the consequences of those setups, i.e. follow-through. The problem is that without the follow-through, the setups end up losing all their impact. So where I am with season six is, there was so much good potential. The writers and producers provided plenty of situations that could have led to a really great season, but they seemingly got lazy and failed to follow through enough to bring that potential to any kind of fruition. But in the end, one flat season is not enough to turn me away from Dexter. There are two more seasons and I'll be there to see where it goes, and I'll be hoping that they bring back some of the follow through that makes me love Dexter. Thanks for that Dave, some more good points there. I mentioned myself how there were still questions about Travis and the nature of his insanity, same as there were with Jordan Chase last year. The writers really were more focused on the Dexter-Brother-Sam friendship in the beginning and then later in the season with Deb's deconstruction and realisation about her feelings for Dexter. Like last year, the focus was on Dexter and Lumen, while the Barrel Girl murders were secondary. You might say the writers used up their energy on the main story at the expense of the subplots and B-stories, something we've accused them of many times before. The Trinity story... It was great in season four, and we really understood him, knew about this guy's origin story, while other stuff in season four was below par, secondary characters given crap storylines. Need I say more than Batista LaGuerta? 
So lack of follow through with the B stories really is a feature of Dexter, unfortunately. Does it smack of lazy writer laziness? I wouldn't say they don't care about everything in the show, but it it really would seem that they put the most effort into the central storyline, the A story. And that, dear listeners, <laughs> brings us to the end of our feedback. <laughs> Quite a marathon, and I thank each and every one of you very much for contributing. As always, your continued feedback is appreciated. We've got the top five podcasts coming up, and I'm still open to any nominations you might have for your top five moments of season six. Fire a list over to me in numerical order, five to one. And if you can also include the episode name or or episode title of those moments, it just helps me, as I've said before, just isolate the audio uh, should I use uh, the relevant sound clips in the eventual, uh, the finished podcast. Okay, the usual contact information, the listener lines in the US, it's 646-222-6122. In the UK, it's 0844-579-6949. And on the UK line, you enter mailbox ID 08320 when the voice prompts you. There's also Twitter, at DissectDexter, or my personal Twitter, at Gareth underscore UK. Email, as I say, is dissectingdexter at gmail.com. And, of course, there's the Facebook page. Hop onto Facebook, search for Dissecting Dexter, and give it a like. That'd be nice. Or leave a comment, ask a question, pose a theory, whatever you like, really. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. Is that serious shit? (laughs) Well, it's normally at this point in the podcast that I do the next time on Dexter bit with spoiler-free thoughts on what might be coming up next but of course we haven't got anything coming up next or not for nine months (laughs) or eight months is it now so what i'm going to do uh well i just want to talk about some matters arising since i started recording this podcast two days ago two interviews have been published now there's nothing significantly spoilery uh certainly nothing that i feel spoiled about but if you want to stay spoiler-free, then skip ahead, say, two minutes uh, and uh, just make sure you avoid anything remotely spoilery. As I say, nothing that I would consider... Sp- I, I don't consider myself spoiled <laughs> by what I've read. So, um, you know, if you're kind of open to very, very minor comments, then um, keep listening. Otherwise, I'll speak to you in a couple of minutes. <laughs> Firstly... David Nevins, the president of Showtime, basically said that as things stand, season eight is the end, but that might be subject to change. Now, what this depends on, I suspect, might be more along the lines of commercial factors, given this is a flagship show for Showtime. But it does worry me. What chance do the writers have of planning their conclusion if the end date gets pushed back? It could seriously screw up the finish for them. They might plan for just two more seasons, then say midway through writing season eight, they get told there'll be a season nine and have to suddenly stick a ton of filler to pad it out. It could spell disaster for a well-paced, satisfying lead-in to the eventual farewell. Now something that could be a little spoilery is that Nevin said he's been pushing for Dexter Creative to shake things up a little. Now, personally, I think they did that with the end of season six, but Nevin's mentioned that maybe Dexter wouldn't always be such a lone wolf, leading to rumours of Deb helping him, but given the state of the Lewis storyline, could he end up being a sidekick? Something, of course, they did back in season three. 
I don't know. I, I think it's been proven that Dexter works best when he works alone, something I think Dexter should have recognised himself by now. So I'm hoping the shake-up is simply Deb catching Dexter killing and what that means for their relationship. The second interview that I saw was from one of the executive producers, Manny Koto. He talked about where season seven will begin. He's leaning towards picking up immediately, but jumping forward apparently is a possibility. He says, and I quote, We've discussed maybe jumping forward and flashing back. We've discussed picking up right afterwards. We don't know yet. One advantage to picking up immediately is that you're able to play the emotion forward. There's an advantage to jumping ahead and doing flashbacks, but then you're trapped in flashbacks and the audience spends a lot of time catching up. That can be good because you're setting up a mystery, but at the same time, there were advantages to just picking up where you left off and going forward so you're with the characters as you go. End quote. Personally, I hope they pick things up in the church right after the oh god. How could they not? The whole rest of the show hangs on what Deb does next. Flashbacks might work if they're done right, and would certainly be a new production concept for Dexter, at least to have flashbacks of this nature. Koto also addressed Deb's feelings for Dexter. He said it was more something that came to us because we'd looked upon Deborah's relationships in the past. We try to write from being inside the characters' heads. Having been in Deborah's head for so many years and her failed relationships and her relationship with an earlier serial killer and the fact that she always picks these guys who are unavailable or problematic, it just occurred to us that maybe there's something behind all this. So, again, <laughs> they're coming up with arguably plausible reasons for this turn of events. At least for this turn in Deb's character. I guess we could buy it. But I just don't like it. <laughs> and I've put my hand up to the reasons why. Anyway, I just thought those interviews were interesting. Okay, we come to the end of another Dissecting Dexter. Quite a marathon feedback session, but it was fascinating to read and listen to your thoughts, comments and theories about the season and what we've got to come. And I thank you, as I say, I thank each and every one of you for your contributions. And uh, I hope you'll keep them coming, not just for the Top 5 podcast, but that you'll join me again when I go back and do the Season 2 rewatches in between now and September. And then, of course, in September, we'll be podcasting week to week as Season 7 airs. So, um... I'll leave that for now and I'll say, as I say, thank you very much for your support. Thank you very much for listening, your kind comments about me and the show. And I'll speak to you probably in a, a week or two's time when we go over our top five moments of season six. Can't wait for that. Until then, when we inevitably dissect a bit more Dexter, it's bye for now. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Mm.